What's up, fight fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, February 28th, 2021, and this week's episode, UFC 259, an epic triple header. We'll be talking about last night's main event between Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Cyril Gunn. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. The flyweight champions are back in action. And it is rumored that the strawweight champion could be as well. We'll talk about Frank Mir going to be boxing Antonio Tarver on the Askren Paul undercard. And of course we'll close it out looking forward to this Saturday's epic triple header just like the title UFC 259, all the title fights, and everything in between. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Okay, we're here, right? We're here to we're we're here to the almost at the month of March, where we're gonna have two pay-per-views. Uh, are we coming up on the on the best of two pay-per-views, or do you think the one after that we haven't gotten into yet is gonna be the best one of you March? Kn- you know what? Um, the the fights you don't know until after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. I will say this: when I think about the star power, and this is full respect to Stipe and Brian Ortega and Ganu Alex, I do feel like there's just so many more entry. I'll be honest; I am so much more invested in these title fights because I do feel like, especially when you look at Pewter and Aljo, that's number one versus number one. Amanda Megan, that's there too, and all the repercussions. And, you know, even Blahovich Adesanya, I feel like there's such high stakes. With Nganu Stipe, it's a great fight. These are the two best heavyweights right now. Honestly. Yes, it's epic. But I feel like the John Jones cloud hanging over the end of the month kind of. You know, you, you want to show up for the the fight, not the precursor fight. You get what I mean? So that's the one thing I got to say about the one at the end of the month is I feel like there's more of that. And even with the Adesanya thing, I think most people believe that whatever happens, it'll still be John Jones moving up first at this point, And we'll get into that. So that's my one thing. Yes, this coming one, as good as those fights are on the second one, this is where it's at for me. Yeah, man. I mean, you put in the title, right? Epic triple hitter. I think I think Epic is right. This is a, this is the one to watch in March. But, you know, of course, we're going to watch both. Yeah. And like I said, those are some great fights at the end of the month. Come on. They now. are. I mean, they, they are. I mean, of course. Those are freaking bomb. Dot com. <laughs> anyway, but um, no, but uh, no, like I said, we don't know until after the fact. I mean, I think people had some thoughts after last night's event. And let's talk about it. You had Jarzinho Rosenstrike. The man who took out three consecutive UFC opponents under two minutes combined. Uh, stopped Dos Santos, I think, in the second round last December. Uh, or sorry, last August. And then you had Cyril Gunn, 7-0, and former Muay Thai fighter. I think a lot of people were expecting the heavy leather would be thrown. Stuff was going to happen. And uh, Natalie, it didn't. Talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, we we both were, you know, rare, rarely it occurs rarely where we're both united to such a degree where it was like TKO round two or KO round two Rosenstrike, and it, nothing could be further from from that result. Uh, it was one of those heavyweight fights that I always 
uh, fear, and I always sort of complain about where you you know both of these guys could give you that knockout, but instead it goes five rounds and it goes to the judges. Uh, so it wasn't a terrible fight. It's just not what we expected, obviously, with you know based on our picks. And very interesting, right? Because you had Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades, Rosenstrike and Gone, and like we talked about this already, these two fights, these four fighters, they were vying for that shot at the title after you know the threesome at the top got through with each other. So when we're all, it's all said and done, only one name uh, is sticking in anyone's mind, and that's Derek Lewis. Rosenstrike and Gone did not you know, show up, did not pass the test, right? Gone beat his opponent, but it wasn't really exciting. It was just, he did what he had to do to win. And people respect those, those styles of fight, those game plans, but nobody remembers them and nobody really enjoys them. Not to like, you know, poo poo the performance. It was a fine performance. It's just not what we wanted. It's not what we expected considering all that's on the line in this heavyweight division right now. So gone, kept his distance, he used his jab, he used uh, leg kicks. I mean, I don't know. He he had some decent, you know, wrestling considering his background is, is Muay Thai. That's about all I can say about it. How did you see it? Did, did it? I know it didn't live up to your expectations because we had the same pick. So what did you come away thinking? You know, it was one of those fights you kind of – even though you know how dangerous Jarzinho is, it started to feel like we were in cruise control. Like the, you know, the script, you, they were, there was not going to be a twist in this movie. Yeah. Things were not about to change. And, and I'll say this. I felt like that was, for example, Overeem's performance against Rosenstrike. I felt like there was a little more going on in that one before, obviously, the, you know, the buzzer beater for Rosenstrike. I felt like that one, you know, had a little more action uh, gone. And I want to give him full praise. Like he executed a very, you know, effective and efficient game plan. Got out of there. Let's be honest. And, and I'll say bluntly. If both Nganu and Derek Lewis were to stub their toe and not be able to fight, there is no doubt in my mind that Cyril Gan is healthy and ready to go to step in. He is not injured at, at all. Oh, yeah, he's fresh. So so I do got to commend him on that, is that if you're trying to do... If you're trying to look out for you and only you, forget the fans also, my <laughs> man, you, you, well done, you did it. And right. that's a very... That's a challenge to do. I want to give credit where it's due. Rosenstrike is a guy with a lot of experience, and especially striking, and Cyril just kind of showed that the numbers don't win the fights, the people do. There was a lot to expect out of Jarzinho and really just the composure of Cyril Ghosn, uh, you know, it just well done. Like I said, well executed. I will go a different route is that I feel like going into this week, you know, going into the this event, you felt like there's no way that Derek Lewis doesn't get the winner. It It just makes sense, the schedule and all that. This would be one of the few times, and I hate to put it on Cyril, and I will say this is only a possibility, but I almost feel like you could see a situation where, despite the fact that Jarzinho, I mean, let's be honest, he was in a title eliminator last year with Nganu. Despite, get, despite getting the win, 
I could see a situation where Gon doesn't get that title eliminator, but I've also heard things like, hey, Tom Aspinall, who just beat, I believe it was uh, Andrei Arlovsky last week. And then it's, you know, the Battle of Europe. And I'm like, I mean, no disrespect to Tom Aspinall, but you think after beating a guy like Jarzinho in the main event, that kind of feels like a step back. And so I would, you know, I do know that they called out, well, not, Kevin Ioli pitched it very well. He had talked to Dana, who said he was not impressed with the main event. You never want that to happen. You know what I mean? So, look, once again, this is a great performance, but do did I walk out of it clamoring to see Cyril fight Derek Lewis? No. And that makes me afraid that now he won't. And so that's kind of where I'll leave it, is that, you know... He did what he had to. He gets his win bonus, which is most important. But I don't know. I feel like now there's wiggle room, whereas we really felt like it was a lock going into it. I mean, that's what's that's the beauty of the fight game, right? It's like just when you think you've you've got it planned out, something like this happens. When on paper, it should have been an exciting fight, but. And something happens, you know, the styles don't work just like they should, or they're too afraid of blowing their shot. And I think that it was more of that. And so you think you say, okay, do I want to be on, on the knockout end of a, on, on the canvas end of a knockout or do I, you know, losing the fight, but it was, a, it was a war up until then, or do I want to, take caution and make sure I win no matter what. And well, we saw what happened. So when you have Dana White saying it was, you know, disappointing, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're not getting called anytime soon unless they really are desperate. But, but yeah, I doubt it. You, you know, Dana White's that kind of guy who's going to be like, nah, screw it. They had a main event shot. They blew it. Uh, let's get uh, Aspinall in here uh, to fight Derek Lewis. And that's probably what's going to happen. Oh no, I meant for Cyril Gunn. I mean, Cyril and Tom Aspinall. I think oh, Derek... Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. I'll say this. I think Derek Lewis... You know what? I, I would tell you right now, the Alistair Overeem thing is crazy, but after last night, I wouldn't be surprised just if they're trying to, you know, keep Derek in that position, if I'm being honest, you know? So that's just... That was my thinking. I think that they'll do Cyril and Tom Aspinall and do something like that and give Derek a big name in Overeem um you know I, I hate to say it but kind of keep Derek in that position because now he proved he's the one who could deliver right yeah. Cyril maybe you're thinking like uh you know like can we sell a pay-per-view or a main event with you again that it gets harder now right no he's got to reprove so yeah. Yeah. and once again you're talking about a knockout artist in Rosenstrike and Cyril kind of you know took the wind out of those sails. I want to give full credit, but we do know what it looked like. And I think that the bonuses reflected that no, only one performance bonus, only two guys. And that was Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera. There was no knockout, no performance, none of that going on for the rest of the card. So um, it sucks because, you know, they put so much work into it, but I felt like that was a sign that, uh, you know, you have so many fight cards. Every now and then you got one where it just didn't pop. And I think last night, you know, respectfully, it just didn't pop. Yeah, I mean, it happens, unfortunately. And uh, 
it is it is what it is. You move on because you move on and and like inevitably there's always going to be a great or a better fight card the following week or the following two weeks. But I mean, an epic triple header. I mean, come on, that's the best thing. That's that's, the best. that's exactly what you want to come out of a fight like this. <laughs> uh, real quick before we move on, uh, Cyril Gunn, for your money, who does he get matched up with next? Yeah, I, I think not Derek Lewis. So I, I can say that. Um, uh, I don't even know who's who's left. <laughs> uh, Volkov. Yeah, I was gonna say Volkov, but I mean that kind of sucks for Volkov. But yeah, uh, I actually think um, you know that could be good. Both the tall guys. I think stylistically it's a good one. And just because, if I'm being honest, I have a feeling that they would use those two now to bolster a card as opposed to headline their own fight night. So I think that that, you know, like, hey, maybe like a backup to Jones versus whoever. You get what I'm saying? I I, I could see something like that happening. But um, once again, and we'll talk about it at the end of the month, uh, I think they're both taking a good break, rightfully so. Um, I think that when we see how the how the where the chips fall, I think is going to be very telling. Because, like I said, if you have a situation where Nganu were to, you know, thirty second knockout Stipe and call for it, you could see a situation where these guys are like, "All right, we're fighting on the Jones Nganu undercard in July," and you know, just move it along like that. So I do think that there is reason for a little bit of patience with the matchmaking. But anyway, we'll move on. We've got a lot to talk about, and I want us to give the triple header and all the news all the time that it deserves. Uh, some big announcements. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko will be taking on Jessica Andrade. That one happening on April 24th. Second note, it is expected, although not finalized, that Wei Li and Rose Namajunas is also, you know, the strawway title, also going to be on that date. That's not done, but they did announce that Carla Esparza versus Yan Chonan is official for May 22nd. So I kind of took that as a sign. It was If it wasn't Rose, it was going to be Carla. Take Carla off the board. That tells me they're close to a deal being done with Rose Namajunas for Zhang. So um, very exciting as, you, you know, we'll probably get into it. But I like that they're putting the two female champs together. Because I do feel like if Wei Li beats Rose, and at this point, you know, if Valentina beats Jessica, I could definitely see a champ versus champ fight for Wei Li. I feel like there's very few places for both of them to go at this point. And I think that you consider Zhang coming in off a win over Rose, that really would be that. I, I'll say it, you know, I know she's not as big here in the United States, but I feel like that fight would just be mega after the Joanna fight in Asia for Zhang. So I think that that's, that's really all I need to know. And they're both in tough matchups when you know how good Rose is and you know how good and dangerous Jessica Andrade always is. Dude, yeah, this is a killer lineup. Hopefully, it, it, uh, the, you know, it gets completed with the, uh, the Rose and Wei Li fight um but yeah as you said with carla being booked for may it seems like that's pretty much what's going to happen so what would be great is if okay i'm, I'm going to say this i was watching canelo uh you know the, the boxer solo canelo Alvarez fought last night 
And like, I did he fight? He did, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, I watched it. I thought it was an instructional video. <laughs> oh yes, it was. Uh, what did they say? I, I had to rewatch it, uh, or I wa- I showed my husband this morning, and I could only get the Spanish feed, and they were saying that uh, Canelo was playing with his food at round two, uh, just before the uh, <laughs> the knockdown. That but, sounds uh, about right. Anyway, uh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, but what's cool about Canelo, and now he's not with Golden Boy anymore. He's with Matchroom Boxing. But maybe it, it's just his idea is that after he wins, uh, oftentimes you'll see uh, the promoter come out and say, "Now we're gonna announce that he's gonna fight such and such person." And like when he when they first announced he was gonna fight Triple G, Triple G was there. He came out. They played a video. It was like you know, well, so well uh, orchestrated. They had the Triple G thing. with the walkout music, complete yeah, that's with right. that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his uh, white stripes, and um, so so they did the same thing, right? Billy Joe Saunders, they play the video. Okay, great, it's amazing, and it's like you know, of course, you figure Canelo's gonna win, but but he might not have, you know. So what I'm getting at is, it would be cool if if Shevchenko and Whaley win. If the UFC has some guts, they'll have that video ready to go, and as soon as Shevchenko wins, they'll they'll announce. The, the next matchup, and it's Shevchenko, Wang, or <laughs> Weili Zhang, excuse me. Uh, they'll play the video, and it's going to be some epic, uh, an epic stare down. So that would be cool. UFC doesn't usually do stuff like that, but but watching the Canelo uh, promo yesterday made me hope, uh, wish and hope for something like that on the UFC. And I think this would be the perfect opportunity for it. You know, they don't do it. Uh, really, I, I'll be honest with you. I cannot remember the last time they did it i i think maybe the dc brock lesnar thing but honestly yeah. when was the last time you saw them go oh we're gonna bring in the opponent for a champion and honestly besides the dc lesnar one it's been a long time since i remember they did that like you, sometimes they'll do the whole like you know oh they're sitting in the crowd like vitor belfort anderson silva chris weidman stuff like that but um yeah, you know, it just doesn't happen that often, if I may say so. So, I don't know. Um, I would like it. I think it would be a great move. But, um, yeah. Also, quick note, they're saying that there might it might be getting moved to Las Vegas. I did hmm. not see that coming. So, oh. I guess we'll find out. Um, I would assume that has a lot to do with uh, travel and all that. Uh Quite bluntly, I mean, not to turn this into a news show, but I think everyone sees that the travel restrictions of 2021 are different than they were in December 2020. So, you know, out of precaution, out of all that. um, Also, like you look at Dan Hooker, I mean, I honestly, I'm not sure he's actually seen his family yet. And we're (laughs) more than a month from that fight with Michael Chandler. I mean... That's a lot to put on, you know, because, you know, UFC is footing the bill. Right. So, you know, you want to think they want to put it in a position where there's as little of that happening as possible. Right. So I don't know. But uh, point being, you know, there's two great fights. I'm excited for it. And I think they're just individually great matchups. And then, like we said, it, it sets it up. I mean, now that's a good doubleheader. Because you know what? They're both great on their own. It's number one versus number, you know, number one contenders fighting the champions. But oh boy, you know, if they both get out of that, you're going to see some greatness fighting greatness. And that's what I like. 
too. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, moving on, the other flyweights are going to be in action. Davison Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, the rematch official for June 12th. So just to remind you guys, Figueredo was on that five-fight win streak leading up to the draw with Brandon. Brandon was on a three-fight win streak leading up to the fight. And after beating each other down for five rounds, remember there was the point deduction on Figueredo that cost him the decision. Two judges had him winning three rounds out of five, but because he lost the point, it ended, I believe, it was a majority draw. Um, You know what? What can you say? One of the fight of the years, as, as awesome as Joanna Whaley was, that's, you know, Brandon and Davison. You know, people, you had some guys saying, you know what? I think the guys, I think they stole that award from the ladies. Um, you know, and mind you, that's uh, just uh, subjective. Everyone's got their own opinion. But you know what? That was how good that fight was. I think a lot of people looked at the flyweight division and they said, I'm here for it. I, I'm not sure what's going on if Cody Garbrandt is still injured or something. But I think when you look at the division... I'm I'm ready for it, and I think June. Would I have liked May? I'll be honest with you, I would, but I get it. I mean, they had a busy 2020. I mean, I think that June is probably going to be just right when you look at it. Yeah, man, they need a little downtime. I mean, how how fast did they turn around from their previous fights? Oh yeah, they fought each other like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so give these guys a break. Hopefully, they got a little uh, an extra bonus on the side there because they deserved it. Uh, not only for being willing to step up to fight again so quickly, but for putting on a performance, giving the fans, giving everyone feel like they got their money's worth. Like that's all you can ask for as a promoter, I imagine. And uh, so yeah, give them uh, give them till June. Let them rest. Let them learn more about each other. It's going to be more of an opportunity for Brandon Moreno, I think, than for Figueredo um, to improve because I feel like Figueredo's already like just there man i mean like you said it he he won the fight but but for those point um the point deduction um yeah i mean this is great so we uh i'm i'm excited but i'm also kind of nervous because like you know brandon moreno's in the good graces of the ufc probably for a long time because of how he he you know was the second half of this awesome fight and this effort to to put a championship fight on a pay-per-view but like you know, Figueredo seems sort of unstoppable. Moreno has given him the best. Um, you don't want one fight. guy's stock to go down after. <laughs> is that what you're getting well, at? I'm just like Moreno. If he loses, then like how long is he gonna have to wait before he gets a title shot? Like it's just, it's just tough, tough to be up against this uh, this little Terminator in Figueredo. So that's all. You know, I, I think that for me. Um... I'll be honest, I kind of want to see some movement outside of the title fight. Like, I know Askar Askarov fights Benavidez this coming Saturday. Uh, Once again with Cody, just because I feel like... I'll say this. At the time, last June, when he knocked out Asuncao, I was like, okay, you know what? When you look at the division today, both of them, I could see Cody jumping into a title fight flyweight maybe even bantamweight but you know he kind of made it clear he wanted to do the 125 thing okay now looking at it you know i'll i'll just say bluntly it's been a minute i kind of need to see cody fight anybody and i think that you know 
I know he kind of wanted to jump straight into it with the title fight. I do feel like we've reached the point, especially off of Figueredo, if he wins, you do need to see something happen. You do need to see um, Cody maybe test the 125 waters. You need to get it hyped up because I will say that that loss to a Sun Tzu is, is fantastic, but it still starts to feel further away as more of these guys. Now we got, you know, let's say Brandon Moreno didn't have this kind of steam behind him last November. Now he does. So I do kind of want to see more happen. But my point being is that I don't want it to feel locked up like some of the other divisions do. Because I think that you've got a lot of exciting guys, you know, those little guys who could step up. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Figueredo seems like the kind of guy who's, he. I mean, he proved it. He turned around in, in two weeks. So, so I think after this, even though he's taking a little bit of time right now, after his fight with Moreno, assuming he wins, um, he'll probably be willing to jump right back in and start defending his belt again to give other people, uh, you know, their turn. So, yeah. And, and, and if he does win, and let's say Cody isn't available for whenever they want to do the 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 uh the new title fight uh with Figueroa Moreno Cody like let Moreno uh you know welcome him to the flyweight division that could be a cool uh, a cool matchup there are options this is true but yeah <laughs> you know so once again those two will throw down on June 12th and our next one I'll be honest I forgot to write down the date I'll, I'll google it but um the next news story Frank Mir is going to jump into the celebrity boxing. Well, I, I, you know what? I'll just call it um, <sighs> extracurricular boxing. <laughs> I think that's going to be my placeholder for this show. He's taking on Antonio Tarver on the Ben Askren, uh, Jake Paul undercard. Uh-huh. April 17th. April 17th. Thank you, yeah. yes. So I think one of the, the Whitaker Costa card or one of them is the same night. But uh, I'll be honest, out of left field, I feel like I remember Frank Mir talking about how much he'd been working on his boxing in the past. But he's obviously known for being one of the best submission guys in the heavyweight division, all MMA. Obviously, former UFC champion. Um, Antonio Tarver, 52 years old. Oh my and I want to give him the respect. He doesn't look 52. My man, please share the <laughs> secret because I hope I look that good when I get there. But, you know, decorated 31 and 6 record, uh, hold, held the light heavyweight titles. Fun fact, I, I felt like you would like this. Antonio Tarver played the opponent of Rocky Balboa. In the 2006 Rocky movie. Yes, uh, he did, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did not. Uh, they always pull a real boxer who wants to act to do those. And I always think it's fantastic. Yeah. But um, the fact is, he's been around. He's been in been bit of the limelight. He's a very respectable fighter in his own right. They are not pulling somebody off the prelims. They are pulling in a guy who has been at the top of cards and... A, you know a high level talent across you know unanimously by the pundits of boxing so yeah what are your thoughts on this for frank i Mir? like it i mean i like it i'm you know you know i'm gonna watch the askin paul fight anyway so you might as well give me some folks on the undercard that actually fight and that were really good at it um you're saying ben askin wasn't good at fighting no no <laughs> 
he was obvious. Look, I'll tell you what. I'm I just really, I'm teasing. No, no, that's fair because I didn't really watch him until he got to um, the UFC. I didn't watch him until he got to the UFC. I didn't watch any of that stuff until after he was already in the UFC. Went backwards, um, you know. And I just keep thinking about his fight with Damian Maya and how terrible his striking look. Now was it the hip? I don't know, but. Um, I just honestly don't know how good his chances are against anybody who's been just training boxing and is really young and athletic. And so even though Askren is like a decorated wrestler and even an MMA fighter, like wrestling's his thing, right? Like all he's trying to do is get you to a position where he can wrestle you. That's not available. And so what I'm really getting at it because we're talking about Frank Mir Tarver is like, I'm glad there's some guys uh, there's some matchups on the card where both sides are are really skilled fighters. Now, Mir's not a boxer. He's an MMA fighter, mostly known for his submissions, as he said. Um, but you got to believe his boxing's just fine. I mean, I'm thinking about Todd Duffy. Like, that was a pretty sweet knockout. Um, you know, so so it's going to be a fun fight. I'm a, I'm interested, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this more than the main event on this card. But but to circle back, I'm glad that they're putting on um, some undercard fights that I'm interested in, and and well, at least this one anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna be paying anyway. You might as well give me something. You know, I, I'll just say bluntly, I'm kind of shocked uh, that okay. how quickly the um, celebrity boxing is just taken off. Because to me, you know, like. I mean, I'll say it. I know, you know, you got the Lamar Odom, Aaron Carter thing going on. You're hearing about Mike Tyson going to be boxing Holyfield after all. And it's like, dude, you know, the Mayweather-Logan Paul thing apparently is still a thing. They, yeah. I guess Mayweather just wanted more time to train. You know, I just run all this down. And in my mind, I'm like, you know what? They're just, I mean good on you guys go ahead and cash in um uh, you know part of me wonders like well did that mean frank mir was done with mma because he hasn't fought in over a year and um i think he's looking for just the right matchups and uh you know he's focusing on training his daughter who uh recently went pro and won her first fight i think so yeah yeah you know the fact is they all got something going on and so the fact that Triller wants to pay them and is cashing in on it, I'm like, you know what? If they want to throw down, let's do it. I do worry for Frank Mir. I mean, I'll just say it. I I don't know if he's at that spot anymore. Whereas when you had, for example, Connor versus Floyd, I mean, Connor, let's be honest, he was never more dangerous than when he was champ champ, right? Coming yeah. off winning, you know. He did whatever the what he wants and he apologized to nobody. Now he apologizes to everybody. Um, you, you get what I mean? Yeah. A different time in his career. So I, I think that that's the thing is that I think it's going to be more telling of the age of Tarver than it will be the boxing skills of Mir, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But um, look, I like it. I like that they're making these fights happen. Um, I think that the thriller business is clearly good and I think that everyone wants a piece of it and you know when you talk about the numbers they're pulling in it's like I once heard this said about Dancing with the Stars is when they keep a really crappy dancer 
and they just keep bringing them back week after week and you're like why and it's like i think that america likes watching their suffering like yeah. you could tell they know they're not the best one but they keep getting voted back and they're like well i get paid another week if i stay um but you know you kind of sometimes you look at them and it's like you know they have to consider you know what i'm just going to tell them i hurt my knee and just call it a day <laughs> They they keep voting me back. I don't want to anymore. I feel like that's the thing we're seeing with the YouTube boxing. It's like with these celebrities. It's like, are you guys telling me you guys want to see bad boxing over good boxing? If oh my god! It's okay, but just admit it. Cause just admit it. Yeah. That's what I want to know. <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's like with Dancing with the Stars. Some people just admit you want to watch bad dancing over good dancing. <laughs> Oh, that used to always upset me so much. I haven't watched it in a while, but when I used to from early on seasons, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, may she rest in peace. And I was a fan of hers, but Cloris Leachman, she just passed away recently. She was already like 80s, in her 80s, I think, when she did the show. She couldn't move as well as she might have in her younger days. And she was funny and everything. But like, you're booting off really, you know, people that can actually really dance. And it's so frustrating. Like I said, you know, it's like the, it shows you when they get voted back. It's like y'all just like watching these people suffer sometimes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but um, I mean, hey, they, you sign up for it, right? But that's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, like I said, just uh, the fights that we're seeing in celebrity boxing right now. And once again, it's like, look, good for Frank Mir. I think that he's a capable fighter. Once again, it's just about the age and technicality right now is a real factor in that fight yeah um natalie it's time <laughs> epic triple header yes let's get into it um i want to start bottom up i i'd like to culminate with the big main event so let's start with the bantamweights huh okay. pewter young aljamain sterling um quite bluntly what i love about this fight is that they're both coming off very impressive wins, very impressive performances. I feel like you've got a good um, barometer of where both of these men are um, in their careers. And what I like about it for Aljo is you got a guy who, let's be honest, people feel like he could have been Bantamweight champion. Like you could have put a belt on Corey Sanhagen in their fight and he would have and no one would have argued with it. And so you have a guy who's been waiting to get his hands on Pewter. You have a guy who's been, you know, who tried to get his hands on Henry Cejudo and all this other stuff. And then in Pewter Jan, um, you know what? He is just all business. He's got, I'll argue, probably some of the most impressive horsepower that we've seen in a long time behind the Bantamweight. There's a lot of guys who, you know, who can hit hard and very athletic but i feel like he's a guy the pace he can put on you for 25 minutes and still hit you that hard in the fifth round is probably up there very few guys we've seen who are like him in the last decade so i think that he's got just a great set of attributes you got a great just multifaceted game from aljo there's a lot to love about this fight um what about you where do you how do you see it yeah, I'm I'm super pumped for this fight. You know, Pyotr Jan terrifies me, and uh, just the way he fights, I should say. It's I think I've used this 
um, comparison before. It's like a Terminator. He just like plods forward. It's, it's nothing like graceful or, 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 you know, there's no finesse to his fighting. Not like, you know, someone who we're going to talk about later, like Israel Adesanya. That's just like flow. That's, that's the opposite of Peter, Peter Jan's game. It's just power, um, pushing forward, pressure, and pain. Like, because the power, as you said, rightly said, does not diminish over time. And so he'll come at you, he'll come at you. If you hurt him, or not hurt him, if you, if you land on him, it kind of it kind of just like pisses him off, and he goes harder, he goes faster, puts more pressure on. I mean, when's the last time somebody like hurt him, buzzed him? I I don't even know. I mean, his entire UFC career is just all wins, right? When did he start here? Uh, Twenty eighteen June, Ishihara, and then just burning through people. Jimmy Rivera, Favor. I mean, he. He basically retired, re-retired Uriah Faber. So he's a scary individual. The fight with Jose Aldo, like, I rewatched it again today. I remembered it as, like, I actually thought it finished earlier. I didn't remember it going so long. Uh, but it went into round five. But, you know, Jose Aldo was, was game. And he was, he was doing really well at the beginning, then sort of tapering off. But Piotr Jan just it was like... I'm going to finish you no matter what. And he did. And so that's no matter who Peter on is facing, that's like a terrifying prospect to, to have across from you. But in Aljo, we have someone who's just full of confidence, young. Well, he's not that young. He's 31, but he seems really young. Like he just feels really fresh, really ready to go. He wants to get that belt. He had that beautiful win against Corey Sanhagen, you know, minute 28 round one. Um, he's also defeated Cody Stamen and Jimmy Rivera, same as Piorian. So this is super competitive. But ultimately, you know, for whatever attributes Aljamain Sterling has, in addition to his amazing grappling, he can he can, you know, go the distance. I don't know if he's been. I don't think he's been in a five round fight, has he? Um, uh, no, I don't, I don't think, think he's so. been scheduled yeah. for them. Not since so, he was. Yeah. You know, pre-UFC, I think. So th- that's, that's you know, definitely something to consider um, that he hasn't faced yet or hasn't had to train for yet in the UFC. Um, I just don't know if everything put together on paper that Aljamain has, that he's displayed in the octagon, if that's enough for the power and the pressure of Piotr Jan. Um, it's tough to see it go any other way, but but in the direction of um, of No Mercy, <laughs> which is the perfect perfect uh, fight name. So I don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, basically I, I like my pick, but I want to hear what you have to I say. I like how, you know, you really done a good job selling me on the whole Terminator thing, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, if I could compare him to somebody pewter, it's unlike, let's say, one version 1.0, Justin Gaethje, um, I feel like there's a little more ebb and flow to the way Pewter kind of puts his pressure on you. I think that he does a really great job picking his spots, just conserve his energy. And I think that's why his gas tank is so good. Um, he's technically very sound. I feel like that's really what got him out of, you know, got him through that tough start with Jose Aldo. Aldo was doing his thing, but remember that Pewter caught him 
to the body and dropped them and other stuff like that. Um, and I think that that's a testament to the fact that, you know, it's not just creating the car crash like Justin Gaethje used to and, you know, still does. But I think it's the fact that, you know, he conserves his energy well. He knows he's got a lot of horsepower behind him and that when he does kind of choose to kind of shift those gears and get in your face a little bit, I do think opponents feel it. And I think that that's really a testament to the work he does. Once again, at this stage, especially with the little guys, everyone's competent everywhere. I know Pewter's drilling his takedowns, takedown defense. I know he could grapple. But when you have Aljamain Sterling, what I will say is that I think that he is close to the most multifaceted fighter at 135. Now, do I think that he could just stand and bang with Pewter? No. But I think he's got great speed and athleticism behind him himself, which not everybody else has. I think that he's got a fantastic ground game. And I do think he is very underrated in his striking. I think that people don't give him credit how many leaps and bounds he's made since that loss to Marlon Moraes. I do think that he's gone a lot better. I do think that his ability to put it all together is amongst the best that we see in the Bantamweight division. My one thing is, if Pewter is very ready for those takedowns, I don't know if Aljo is able to outstrike him. I I think that if he can't get that damage done early, I don't know if I can see Aljo winning a long fight. I could, because I think that if you're not able to get this fight where you want it, if you're starting to have trouble, it's, you know, I don't know if I can see you doing the damage consistently enough to Pewter Jan to, you know, drag it into deep water and maybe those, you know, opportunities to get it down to the ground are more available. I think on the ground, Peter's got a, more than a, enough to deal with. I think that that's going to be the biggest thing he wants to avoid is getting underneath a guy like Aljamain Sterling with so many weapons and such prowess. But um, yeah, I think it's just getting it there. I think that all things considered, Aljo could do a lot to a lot of that Bantamweight division. It's a little bit, you know, Peter Jan is just a little bit different different kind of beast in there so and I think that's why he's champion and that's why this fight is so good is that Aljo will have to show just how good he is to beat a guy like Peter Jan um every time I see it and I think I tip my hand uh, I think Aljo is great and I completely understand why a lot of people are saying Aljo might even make this look easy I just feel like when you've seen guys like Gaethje and Connor, you know, when you're fighting like a Habib and it's like, oh, you know, they're so ready for the takedown and forces them to fight different. I do think that Pewter's training like that to avoid the takedowns and avoid the grappling of Aljo. And in that way, like I already pointed out, that's why his striking is going to be the difference. I think his abil- I think he's going to be able to stay on his feet, plain and simple. And I think that he does that I think that in a long fight, he will have all the tools he needs to beat Aljamain Sterling. So I'm going... Every time it's a competitive fight, I always want to go to decision. I'm going to say third round TKO oh. for Pewter Jan. Okay. I like that. Um, I was thinking decision too, but I thought, man, I don't know if, I don't know if Sterling, with the way we're both... You know, looking at Piotr Jan, I don't know if Sterling 
can go like I don't know if any I mean Jose Aldo almost did and I guess I don't I feel like I haven't seen enough of Jan um, of sorry of, of Sterling being pushed to to know if he can do that if he can go that far with someone like No Mercy so um you said TKO round three yep oh boy okay I'm gonna go TKO round two actually Ooh. I know that's crazy. I kind of get nervous saying it. You don't want to say <laughs> it's like, um, it's like saying Beetlejuice too many times. Yeah. I'm um, going to stick with it. I put it out there. TKO round two. Um, that's going to mean that, you know, Pyotrion's going to really have to come out ready to just finish this because if he, I, I feel the longer he lets it go, it gives a chance for, for Sterling to get, get something done on the ground, to get him down. Uh, so... Yeah, no mercy. Round two, TKO, and still. Well, the, Natalie's showing no mercy with no those mercy picks. I gotta I say, <laughs> Natalie, I want you to start the next one. Uh, talk us through uh, co-main event, double champ Amanda Nunes taking on. You know, let's be honest, the only woman left in Megan Anderson. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't I mean, mean she ain't fantastic. I, I like this fight. Uh, I think people are sleeping on Megan, but um, uh, hit me with it. What you got? I mean, yeah. Was was she picked first or was she picked last? Doesn't matter because she's the only one there. So um, I'm actually excited for this fight, though, in, in, in spite of the fact that, that Megan Anderson was, was the only eligible opponent at this division, this weight class. I feel it's safe to say we know what Nunes is going to bring to the table. She's reliable and consistent in her really um, strong striking, you know, that snappy one-two, and she extends and still hurts at the very, very tippy-tippy end of her punches. Not many people can do that. And she kind of whips it out. It's really cool to see. That still will be her strong suit. But, I mean, we're talking about someone who... I should have looked up the height difference. I mean, Megan is pretty darn tall, right? I think they said Amanda's 5'8". Okay. Yeah. And I Megan's see. about 6'3", I think. I mean, that's that's a healthy difference. Six, four, uh, six foot on topology. And the arm reach is going to be the more interesting factor because Amanda does have um, really long arms. Yeah, 5'8", 69 inches for Miss... Uh, double champ and six foot and 72 inches hmm okay so really what what, what we're going to be looking for is how has megan anderson improved right she had that knockout um or tko i can't remember in her last fight um against norma dumont and i think we've sort of seen the highs and lows of Megan Anderson in her UFC career, right? She came in with a lot of high expectations and it was her first fight to Holly Holm. Yeah. I mean, you know, Holly Holm kind of dominated her, took her down a lot, very easily. The Kat Zingano win was, there's an asterisk there because it was that weird eye injury. She was, um, defeated by Felicia Spencer who fought, um, did she fight Nunes to decision? I can't remember now. Yeah, but that was the one that was really one-sided for Nunes. Yes, that's right, yeah. 
So I'm just trying to like make a picture here, but but ultimately it's like I don't think. Okay, we set it up anyway, and that she's the only one there. And so what I was gonna say is that she like has she really earned it as far as performances go? No performances. And then when you look at wins against opponent quality of opponent, no, she hasn't earned it. But that's just the story of this division right now. Nunes is just so dominant, and there's just not enough um, available skilled people uh, to to compete against her in the UFC. Okay, fine. So I just want Megan Anderson to use her height and reach advantage as best she can, keep the distance, circle out, um, and and maybe she's got some new you know tools in the in the old tool bag. Because, and that's unfortunate for her, but it's kind of like a given, right? Like, you just kind of expect Nunes is going to bowl through whoever she finds at 145, especially. Except for, for Cyborg, that was the big, you know, surprise. Uh, man, I'm just, I'm trying to make a case for Megan Anderson. I really don't have the data to do it. I haven't seen enough from her to, to say, like, man, this could really be something. This could be a back and forth. I just don't have that that information because it doesn't exist so um it's it's just a matter of has she has she learned has she developed something that we've never seen before and can she put it together against amanda nunez who's felled every opponent basically easily since she's been in the um champion and i mean that, that's it man i mean i think that it's going to come down to the fact that um you know how I guess, how many strides has she made? Because you know people have tried to grapple Megan. It's just the fact that have they been the level of Amanda Nunes, who... Uh, I want to give credit. Amanda's not the best, you know, pure wrestler, the best double leg and all that. But what she is good at is using her size. You know, she's got a lot of physicality for the Bantamweight division that's been, you know, well established. And that's how she gets it done. Um, I will say that with Megan Anderson, for example, I watched back the fight with Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont was clenching her. Norma Dumont was, you know, it wasn't that Megan Anderson was able to just shrug her off. That is such a hard thing to tell because you don't know how much of that is your IQ, your ability as to, you know, defend takedowns. And how much of it is the fact that when you're talking about how tall Megan is, it's all in her legs. And so her hips are just naturally a lot higher. And the point, you know, ask any of these wrestlers, you, you know, your if your hips are under theirs, that's where you're able to scoop and take down. You know, whether it's a double, single, all the other things that Daniel Cormier likes to break down on the broadcast, that's how it works. So, you know, I was listening to Laura Senko talk about it. I forget. I think it was with the coach or something. But said one of the things they noticed in the gym when Megan is that people will try to like take her down and she's so tall that you think her leg is off the ground and her toes are still touching the canvas. And it's like, th that's how tall she is. And that's the, that's the problem that she provides. In terms of her striking, I think that, for example, one of the fights that really got me thinking that Megan could pull it off was the recent one we saw with Alexander Volkov and Overeem. Overeem's another one of those guys, a high IQ, but you saw with Volkov, you know, you, you know, I think Volkov should get credit, him and Corey Sanhagen, that's how you use reach, and I think that Megan Anderson would be well served, you know what, just extend everything, 
you gotta, you know, you might have to step into the fire a little bit if you're uh, Megan Anderson, but um, I think you just really, really gotta commit to it. And I know that's easier said than done because Amanda Nunes is gonna be looking to grapple all day. You're talking about someone who outgrappled Felicia Spencer. Um, you're talking to someone who grappled, uh, you know, Jermaine Durandamy. Yeah. Yep. So all of that's there. I do think that Megan Anderson has the ability. I think, though, it's just about, you know, can she put it together? Can she, can she execute it? And I think it starts in a couple of steps. Assuming Amanda comes right at you, you got to just be ready to sprawl and brawl. I think that's big. You absolutely have to walk to the fence, break every chance you can. I, I think sometimes fighters get comfortable, even with Amanda, stay in the clinch. You feel like, okay, maybe I could reverse, maybe this and that. I think break every second you can if you're Megan. Um, just, you can't be afraid. You, you gotta just throw whatever you can because I think that in a fight like this with someone like Amanda... I think if you are too patient, you're really going to find yourself like waiting to react to her. And I know that you don't want to run into someone that powerful. But I think if you're Megan, that's your best bet. You really got to make her feel your presence early. And I think that's going to give her the best chance to start setting it up and establishing her striking. Um, That said, you know, when I look at Amanda Nunes, I know... All the attributes Megan is bringing to the table. I think that she doesn't get the credit for how dangerous she can be. However, I do feel like all the things considered, I just think that Amanda Nunes is going to be so well prepared for the, re- you know, for the height, for the striking, and can take her down. And I think that um, obviously anything could happen, but I just feel like the best Amanda Nunes can get down Megan Anderson and win the fight from there. So, uh, just like I said, it's not a shoe-in, but we also know what Amanda's capable of, and I think, you know, like I just said, that's just kind of where it's at. So, I've got Amanda Nunes, um, second-round submission. A uh, rear uh, naked choke. Yeah, um, as you were, you were laying it out, I was thinking like, you know what? She might just submit her. I mean, Holly Holm took her down. Someone who's not known at all for being a, a grappler took Megan Anderson down, I would say, with ease. And, you know, there were times, of course, where the leg would get stuck to the canvas because she is so tall. But if you if you find the right angle and you use enough torque, you can you can get her down. So um, Nunes certainly did it with Durandamy. That's a great example of how she used that. Um, skill set uh yeah i think submission is also um i'm also thinking submission for this fight too i just i don't see it going to decision like nunez is too good all around to not be able to find a solution to whatever megan anderson has uh is going to throw at her like whatever it is amanda nunez will be able to figure it out and resolve the problem before we get to the judge's uh, scorecard um I like submission, and I think now we're just going to flip-flop. I did a round two. You did round three for Sterling Yawn. I'm going to do round three for Nunez Anderson by submission to your round two. I want to, because I want us to get to Adesanya Blahovich, but um, 
just to lay it out again, uh, quite simply, if Megan were to win, a rematch is so obvious, but Amanda Nunes has admitted herself. She's better at 135. They just booked Felicia Spencer against 1-0 Danielle Wolf. Um, if Spencer beats Wolf, I could see a case for fighting Megan, you know, the rematch for the belt. If Danielle Wolf wins, um, you're going to have an unprecedented thing where a fighter is 2-0 going into a UFC title fight. Um, I just... And then, obviously, if Amanda wins, then, you know, she has her pickings. But once again, you've beaten Megan. You've beaten Felicia. And let's say, you know, once again, that's a big if. If Danielle beats um, Felicia Spencer, are you telling me you can throw a 2-0 fighter against the women's GOAT? I just... (laughs) Uh, you know, my, my point is, as I outlined this, and obviously we'll get into it after the fact, um, could this be the end of the featherweight division? And I've said this, you know, a couple times, could they tell Megan Anderson, win or lose, featherweight, you know, UFC champion and all, hey, thanks for playing, but Amanda's staying at 135, um, we just have nothing else for you, um, we, you know, we don't want to... Like this is the last fight on a contract, so no matter what, you know they're gonna they're gonna renegotiate if she wins the belt. Um, championship clause, you know, or not, they're gonna be like, "Hey, I'm UFC champion. I want more money. This is the last one. Like, I'll defend it, but I want more money." So you know that that's gonna happen. Like I said, they could cut their losses. There is a scenario where the featherweight division continues. Every time I've looked at it, I just don't think it will. And so I'm going to just toss it to you, yes or no. Do you think that it will continue after Saturday? I think that Amanda Nunes has to want it to continue. And should Megan Anderson beat Nunes, yes, it'll continue for at least as long as it takes for Nunes to get her belt back because she's not going to want it to end that way. But if Nunes wins... Even if, let's just pretend it goes to the decision and it's like a war. Ugh, maybe if it's a war, we get one more. But I doubt it. I think if it's, even if, I think it's so long as Amanda Nunes wins that belt, the division is over. If she doesn't win, you get as many more fights in that division as it takes for Nunes to win her belt back. But, I mean, I think we both feel that, that that's not going to happen. She's going to win the fight. So, just, yes. I just feel like Amanda could say, you know what? I- I'm done. Uh, I'll stay at 135. It's better for me. But um, yeah. the, win or lose, you know, she could be like, well, I lost to Megan. It's like, but you're still a champion. I mean, there's literally nothing wrong, you know. Uh, you you still get the points and the money and all that. I don't know. I mean, that's just how I see it. But um, look, we'll see. Like I said, it's always tough because you know how much being in the UFC and holding a title should validate fighters, but... I want the women to get paid, and you know what? If another, the Bellators, the PFLs, and one championships of the world have a better deal for Megan Anderson, I want that for her, because I'm not going to get into it. We're going to talk about the big fight, but we know the lack of support the featherweight division has gotten, you know, in terms of building it. So that's just where we're at. But um, anyway, that's a story for next week. We've got to cap it off. Jan Blahovich, Israel Adesanya. 
Um, we could talk for like half an hour, so I want to try to break it down into like the best parts. You get what I mean? I get you. I think that when, I guess very bluntly, Israel Adesanya, how does his striking, you know, come, you know, stack up moving up in weight against a guy like Blahovich? Because I think that's the be all end all. Like, if, can Adesanya do what he's done to a bigger athlete? Yeah, that's the number one question, right? Is is you know he was always the the smaller man, the slighter man, right? Thinner, just narrow, lighter. You know, and and you, you look at someone like Paula Costa, like you think, well, geez, that doesn't look like it's going to be a good matchup for Israel Adesanya. But it didn't matter who it was; he just had that flow. He could you know channel his his chi right into somebody, and just boom, it was over. And he did it beautifully, efficiently. It took a little while with Kelvin Gastelum, but but it also proved to us that he could go to war. He he wasn't just this really masterful MMA fighter. He's also a warrior. He's a, he's he's a gladiator. He's ready to die in there, as he said before that last round with with Gastelum. So, a lot of attributes for Israel Adesanya. And then you look at at someone like Jan Blahovitz, who even for his own division looks you know, thicker than, than most of his, his, uh, his colleagues, right? That big head, not much of a neck. It's just like a head attached to some muscular shoulders. He kind of plods forward and he, he has power. He has power and he has determination. He has grit. That's not to say that's all he has. Right. But those are the main things that at least I think of when I think of him, especially coming off of like, um, the Dominic Reyes fight where he brutalized the rib and then, you know, was able to, to weaken, raise all together and then finish him breaking his nose and all that stuff. So there's power and then there's finesse. And that's the matchup here with Lahovitz and Adesanya. And of course, can Adesanya carry the efficiency of his, um, that comes with the, the power that comes with his efficiency of striking. Is that going to move up with him, uh, to this new division? I mean, we think about a lot of guys that have moved up to light heavyweight and had, Zero success, Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold. Now, they're a different caliber of fighter, I think. It's fair to say that. No one would, would disagree. My feeling is that Adesanya is so committed to mixed martial arts, to being a masterful fighter, that his power will carry. So the question is, is you know, Jan Blachowicz, is <laughs> it, it can carry, right? But But then we're talking about Jan Blahovitz and like, I don't know, man. Like that's that's still a pretty thick head to have to knock down. And this is his first title defense. A lot's on the line. He's fighting someone who's never fought in that div- that weight class before. It's almost like uh, you know you want to prove a point. Like you can't just come up here and think you're gonna you're gonna fight with the big boys. So it's a tricky one for me. Um, how do you think? Do you think that Adesanya is gonna gonna be the same but better at at uh, two hundred five? You know what? Uh, I don't know if that that's a very interesting way to frame it. I think that Adesanya will be the same in terms of his uh, speed and all all the things that make him great. What I think that he's going to struggle with is the fact that when you have a guy like Blahovich, who's very technically sound, uh, it's going to be harder to put these guys down. 
And I do think a big advantage he carries at 185 is that he, because he is so efficient, he does not, he's a very lean guy. And not to say that the other guys are out of shape, but when you look at guys like Whitaker, Paolo, Darren Till, you know, they kind of carry on, I think, a lot of body mass. And I think the thing, you know, not a lot of people bring it up, but Adesanya is very, very lean. He's very long. He doesn't really pack on too much muscle on his frame. And so I think the thing about it is that he, you know, is similar to Connor, kind of like with Poirier. He's very solid. We know he's dangerous at 155. I just don't know if when he starts really piecing somebody up, if it's going to put him down the same way. And, like, for example, I see Blahovich, and, um, you know, he's a very lean guy himself. I don't think people give him credit, but physically, you know, from when he started in UFC, he's, you know... And, by the way, someone told me he's 38. I did not believe that. I wow. was shocked. Nah, he's... Nah. And then I, there it is on the stat sheet, and I was like, what? Yeah, I uh, mean, you're telling me he looks like that at 38 in the fight game in a long career. Um, the point is, that I'm saying is that I think that he is a very athletically gifted guy himself um, in terms of just uh, how he uses his size. Uh, in terms of Adesanya, I think what it's going to come down to, I, I, I'll just say it now, no takedowns. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Maybe Jan, but I really doubt it. Um I think that what it's going to be is that Adesanya is going to have a lot of movement. I just feel like it's going to be one of those cases where Blahovich is not going to react to the shots the same. Mm-hmm. I think that he might get touched up a little bit, but I think that Adesanya, uh, he's a little bit stronger than people realize at 185, but at 205, I think that a lot of, unless he's really running away with it, um, I just don't see him being as effective when he starts hitting you. And now, mind you, if I'm wrong, oh my goodness, we know what's coming next. You know what we want to see. But I think that that's going to be the key is that he's going to get, he's going to hit his mark. But when opponents don't react the same, that's where he's going to start to see more adversity. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how... Jan takes a punch from Israel, but even more interesting to see, you know, the reverse. How does Israel take a punch from Jan Blahovitz, who destroyed the nose of Dominic Reyes, the man who I think beat John Jones? You know, like that's that's one of the uh, that's the other the, the flip side of that question is, you know, how does Israel's power carry to 205? How does his his chin carry to 205? Um, it's 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 gonna be a lot of I think Israel really staying loose, you know, mentally, and and translating that to being elusive on his feet, with his head, with his waist, um, and hopefully may frustrating Jan, frustrating Jan, you know, not running but but. It's almost like Canelo, like dodging, slipping, you know, ducking, rolling, and using the footwork to circle out, uh, to side shuffle, you know, whatever's necessary. But, but obviously you don't want to see running because that's just going to get you booze. It's not going to get you any fans. But if he can do that and frustrate Jan, 
I think there's a chance he could outpoint him. But if at any point Jan gets close enough to land a combination, a one-two, a, a three-four, you know, any of the, anything, where it's two punches back to back, and and Adesanya wasn't able to take a little steam off of it by by you know turning his head, raising his shoulder, you know that that could be a game changer. So um, more so than in any other. Um, any other fight that, that Adesanya's had when you think about like Paulo Costa or Whitaker or anything like that, like this guy can really hurt you. And not only can he really hurt you, but I don't know who Adesanya has been training with at his gym, but I mean, it's one thing to train even with the bigger dude, but to be in there with a guy that's trying to knock your head off because you're trying to take his lunch and trying to take his belt that he just won. Man, you know, that's, that's tricky, man. I'm just so excited for this fight. No, I, yeah, like you get you, you you get to yeah. go first. Come on. Oh uh, yeah, all right. So, <laughs> uh, after all that, it's like Natalie, that, I, I need you to culminate in your pick here's, now. Here's the thing: is that after, with with all that said, you know, can he take a punch? Can he hurt someone with his punches? Can he stay elusive? Jan Blachowicz is no joke. Jan Blachowicz isn't gonna let you come up to his weight class, try to take the belt that he just won. I still see a path to victory for Israel Adesanya if he can if he can fight smart the entire time and attack wisely the legs, the body, uh, and use his jab. I think he can outpoint Jan Blachowicz and win the belt. So for this fight, for this main event, I think it's going to be unanimous decision. Uh, Israel Adesanya. Ooh. All right. All right. A long one. You know, um, I'm going to set it up as a win-win. I think if we see Adesanya hold that belt up on Saturday, hold both of them up, I think it's going to be because we saw a real display of greatness. And I mean like a dude who can just put it together like few people ever have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At this stage. Um, I think that we'll see that. I think that that's the way an Adesanya victory looks every time I picture it. But I think that for myself, I don't think that Blahovich is going to react when he's being hit the way the last few Adesanya opponents have. I think that Blahovich doesn't get the credit. I think that he's really matured him to himself as a fighter. And I think that what it's going to come down to is Adesanya is going to be moving a lot. But I think that when his return fire doesn't get that reaction out of Blahovich, that Jan is going to be able to walk him down a little bit, walk through him, tie him up, make him feel his size, make him feel the Polish power, you know, pun intended. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's just the key to it. I think that Blahovich is going to walk through a lot of the, you know, stuff that we usually see so effective for Adesanya. And I think that that's just going to get the job done. I think that Blahovich, you know what? I'ma hit you with it. First round KO. Ooh, what? I'm rolling. Dude, I'm rolling that... with my man Jan. I wow, think that... that would send Adesanya right back to 185, man, with the tail between his legs. Damn. Okay. I want. I mean, I, I ain't mad said at that. It. Yes, I said it right here on MMA Daily. I said it. Damn, bro. I'm, I'm going with Jan Blahovich for the win. Okay. First round. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> uh, you know what? Like I said, um, 
we know what's on the line. Adesanya wins this one. He has completed his half of the job. He has set up a mega fight with John Jones. Uh, I'll say it again. You know, because I may not get the chance to. If he wins, he will have thrown down the gauntlet unlike anybody has in the last 10 years of John Jones dominance. By far. Nobody will have set the challenge down like Israel. So, in that way, I would love to see him win, but... You're telling me, do I think he's going to beat Blahovich? I must say no. I just don't <laughs> think so. Not not this time. And there we are. Oh, Natalie, yeah. it's been a monster show. Uh, Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad. I think we're just very excited to see, one, Leon finally fight, and two, both of them just get a good opportunity, yeah? You nailed it, yep. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I think technically speaking, it's a great fight. Uh, guys, we will be back next week. By the way, keep a lookout for me. I will be in Vegas. I will be at Fight Week. So you will see me at the press conferences. You will see me at the media days. So definitely, um, I hope you enjoy the content and the just all the videos. And, you know, just guys, enjoy the fights. And we'll be back. <laughs>